So through this series, we're talking about having empathy for each of the types. And instead of doing a panel season around this, we wanted to put something out there that maybe the next panel season can even respond to. We don't know. We haven't really gone there yet. But we want to look at the behind-the-scenes experience for each type, why it's hard to be them, what is going on on a consistent or for some even a constant basis that makes it hard for them. And as we normally do, we start with the type eight and we work our way through. And so I'll, I'm going to share a little bit about what I've seen being hard for the type eights. And for many you know there, uh, since this is Jim, if you're still getting to know our voices, that I am a type eight, but I'm not sharing from my personal perspective. I'm going to be sharing primarily from what I hear from other type eights that others have shared with me about what it's like to be them. Because there is an external thing that you see with eights and people form perspective on because that external thing. And often that times that's because the eight is wanting to show you a particular side of them. Uh, we'll get into this more, but Joel talks about like there's the need. So with the eight, we talk about the need to be strong, but really it's to avoid that existential hole, which is that I want to avoid feeling weak, being exposed as weak. And so when it comes to type eight, and just recently I've had a few just share with me that they even struggled to identify with an eight because they had heard so much that, well, eights don't care what other people think. Mm -hmm. Eights are very, you know, tough. They're strong. And so they don't have this sensitive side and them, them sharing, like, I, I feel like I have a really sensitive side. And when I was young, I was like really sensitive. I was like, yeah, that's why you had to put the armor on. The reason you felt like you needed to present in a way that was so strong is because you felt really exposed. You felt really weak. You were very sensitive, especially as a young person. It, things affected you very deeply. And if you get really close to someone who is a type eight, you do have a major power to hurt them, to impact them, to where it goes really deep. And the mechanisms of our type, it's looking for confirmation. So eights are often looking for confirmation that people will not be there for them. They will not support them. They will not take care of them. They are going to hurt them. And so the armor has to be up. And so when someone does hurt them again, it's like, see, I knew it. And I shouldn't have let my guard down. And now I have to be even stronger. Now I have to be tougher. Now I'm even going to be more guarded as far as letting people in. Mm -hmm. And so I think the thing that people don't understand about why eights present as so sure, as so confident, as so intense, it's so that something else doesn't take over. It's in order to mitigate this feeling that I'm going to be destroyed, I'm going to be hurt, someone's going to conquer me. And so that is why I put the armor on at an early age. So a lot of times there is sensitivity tucked behind that feeling of Mm -hmm. or experience of intensity and strength. Yeah, I've heard from some other aides too, and maybe you can comment on this, that there's also a, a desire to feel really alive and that things that uh, do not produce that or there's an opposite effect of like pulling from that life, mm -hmm. um, making one feel dead, no energy, uh, flat, that there's a, a reaction to that in themselves and also you know, when it's coming at them from people they care about, where there's like a deadness or a lifelessness or, yeah. you know, no vitality in the people around them, that that's also 
yeah. uh, a bit of a threat. I wonder if you can comment on that. I think it's that. exhausting. I think that's the whole thing is this, for the eight, I think there's this weird thing of being uh, a self-forgetting type, which is a, a term we haven't talked about in a while, but it, we talked about it, I think, in the first couple of seasons, which is I'm constantly thinking about the next thing I have to do or the task or even people I need to help or something I need to conquer or accomplish. That takes up so much of the thing. So I'm not paying attention to my own needs. I can be disconnected from my own heart because I feel like I need to be because that'll be inefficient if I'm really focused on that to get things done. And so this sense of anything that's going to deprive the life force, that's going to force me to like shut down, slow down, be exposed, any of those things feel very threatening. Almost to that amygdala reptilian brain response and it's probably not of the fight, flight, freeze, or fawn responses. Is more likely going to be fight. Mm-hmm. That's just going to be the mechanism that is overly trusted. But the reason behind it is exactly what you're saying. Is this feeling like I'm going to have my life force sucked out of me? Mm-hmm. And I think that's the even the reaction to this, this control mechanism they talk about the aid. It's not the aid wants to be controlling. It's that if the wrong person is in control, it's going to deprive me of my life force. I'm going to be deprived. I'm going to be shrunk down. I'm going to be forced into a small life that I'm going to hate. Mm -hmm. And then I don't know what I'll do if I do that. So if I'm forced into that, am I going to shut down and just wither and die? Or am I going to explode and have to destroy things around me. And it and it feels that dichotomous for a lot mm-hmm. of eights where mm-hmm. they talk about if I hit that point, that's what I'm going to feel like. And I'm terrified of both of those reactions internally. Yeah. I've said to, and this is true for all nine types, I've said that, you know, you the existential hole does not have a, re, a rationality or a reasonableness yeah. to it. It is just, it's just is. And mm. what it feels like is, ah, I'm dying. That's what it feels like. Yes. We try to put words to it. And that's yes. why you've got all kinds of different books on the Enneagram with different articulation and, sure. you know, for each of the types. But it's essentially at the very core, it's this thing. Ah. I'm going to die. I'm dying. Yep. This thing is killing me. And that's why our fight, flight, freeze, fawn, and every other F word mm-hmm. uh yeah. <laughs> comes out, it's to protect us. Yeah. 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 So well, it's exactly what you said. We all have these, it's nine irrationalities. It um, totally is. Well, nine. That's what the, that should be the t- title of a, of a book, Jim. Yeah. Nine, nine irrationalities. <laughs> I think, I think, was it Gertie for Erdrodho who, who originally called him the nine, nine types of idiots? Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's Gertie. Yeah. I thought that was, yeah, it was Gertie. Yeah. yeah. Cause it's like these nine irrationalities and this yeah. is the irrationality. And so in, in coaching aids, it's like talking about the specificity of this irrationality of like, I'm going to be shrunk down. And so I either have to fight back or I'm out. Even in the relationships, when people talk about the eight, they're like, well, you know, if you mess with an eight in the wrong way, they're going to be like, you're dead to me. Well, what is that? What is your dead to me? Well, you're making me feel like I'm dead or I have to kill you because I'm back into this corner. Mm -hmm. So all of it's coming from this irrational place that I'm going to be conquered, controlled, where my life is going to be reduced down to nothing. I'm going to be harmed. Therefore, I have to react in this way. 
And so if an eight understands that's what's going on, like that's my particular irrationality, I can have far more grace for my reactivity and I can have a bit more awareness around that. Yeah. Well, and so now when you're thinking about when you're in a relationship to an eight or coaching an eight, if you're a coach, is to recognize that whenever we touch on the core with another type, we have to go in there very, very gently. Mm-hmm. Well, why can't you just stop controlling? Why can't you just relax? Why can't you just, why can't you just show vulnerability? And, yeah. you know, well, that might be easier for another type, but it is not because now we're dealing with the core, uh, fear the core, the existential whole with the type. So be gentle, mm. be careful, be understanding, recognize it as if it's that difficult for them, it's the same for me, right? Just relate in that sense. Like whatever mine is feels almost impossible to me. So therefore it would also feel impossible to them. Yeah. yeah. Well, and we've seen this with couples, right? So you might have an eight who's in relationship with a, a heart type, uh, you know, a two or a four, and th- they're going, well, why can't you access your vulnerability? Why can't you just like sh- share what you're feeling? And why aren't you aware of your feelings are right here? And why don't you just, just let your feeling out? Just say what you feel. Just say what you think. And the eight's going like, I, because that's not safe is what they're saying. Or I, well, I don't really think about it. I don't feel it. Well, why don't you think about it? Why don't you feel it very regularly? Because you've learned that it's not safe to. You probably learned that lesson really early on. And, and then you've had other confirming experiences where your type looked for confirmation and received it in some kind of environmental circumstance. But then the the A can do it to the heart type. Like, well, your feelings are getting in the way of you, like the thing you want to do. Like, <laughs> right. Why can't you have a little bit more agency over your feelings so that you can do the thing that you want to do because you have all these things you say you want to do and you're not doing any of them because you're you keep getting stopped by your feelings and so both of them end up at this impasse and this is what happens with all types right so we end up at this impasse you're going because i can't understand where you're coming from right because i would never have that experience because we don't understand our own rationality their own rationality and (laughs) <laughs> even calling it irrationality, it's almost like sounds like a judgment on it, but it's not. It's just, this is their reality. Yeah. And to understand that that what their reality is, their life experience, we do not really want to minimize it. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. I'll say, I'll say to Patty, my wife, I'll say, uh, I don't know. These people are all idiots. Why can't they see it this way? Bah, 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 right? And I go on my little rant. And then I always finish similarly. You know, a lot of variety, of course, because I'm a seven, but I'll I'll generally finish with this line of thought. It's like, but then again, I'm freaking irrational, right? <laughs> you know, when it comes to my own stuff. Like, I always turn it back to, like, myself just to cue her in on, again, I, I sometimes have to vent my frustrations <laughs> about other people. And then I come back to the place of empathy by yeah. recognizing, hell, we are all dealing with this existential dread that functions deep down in all of us. And it feels like we're dying when we're in that space. And so that's the reason why we have the ego to protect us from feeling like we're dying. And we do what we do to develop this this pattern of defense to protect us. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So I've talked to eights and I've heard them say something about, I need to be more vulnerable. They're waking up to this reality of, this need to be strong. And so they're wanting to 
react by trying to just be more vulnerable. And that's not really going to work. And and so I have had conversations with them where I'm like, well, not with everyone. Right, right. Not Not with everyone. There should be some. Yes, you need people in your life where you can be vulnerable, where you can let it out, where you can say anything and they're not going to look at you like you're, you're crazy. Like those have been some of the greatest gifts in my life is like just someone who you can, I can say the nastiest thing in my heart <laughs> comes out and they go, yeah, yeah, man, that's, that's rough. Yeah. Cause they, it's not a judgment on it's it. It's no judgment. But you're not going to get that from everywhere. And so you can combine the need for vulnerability with your selective mechanism that wants wants to make sure that there are safe people. Well, and I think that's just the brilliance of the ego is it's not only there to protect us, but it's also there to point out there are some dangers out in the world. Yes. And and eights you've picked up on, there are some people that are out there with wrong motives, with wrong desires, whether aware or not. And they're not safe people. (laughs) So, yes, we should be selective sometimes. Mm -hmm. We should be more aware. So, I think that that's that's well said. You know, yeah, not with everybody. But pick some. Yeah. And be thoughtful. Now, this is, again, pulls you back into the co- sort of prefrontal cortex of the brain, the conscious part. So think consciously about this. Is everybody really unsafe? <laughs> nope. No. Okay, good. Low bar. Let's move the bar up a little bit. Who are some people that are not unsafe? I don't know. We're not going to even call them safe yet. We're, we're just not unsafe. And you start to go, well, yeah, I suppose this person's not really unsafe. And I suppose this other person over here is not unsafe. Okay, great. And that starts to help you to move more into that thoughtful head center, you know, leveraging the best of the head center to then move into how can I now become more deliberate, more intentional about expressing some of my vulnerabilities with these people in small dosages, you know, optimal challenge, not too big, not too small. And then come back and what's the experience like? Now, I always tell people, once you take a step like this, you can have one of two reactions and people generally take the one that I'm going to mention in a moment, but you're, the one reaction is, glad I survived. Yeah. Right? Oh, man. I've, I've talked to Aids about that. I've had that experience. It's just kind of like I shared, oh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. If I, do I regret this? I'm so glad I survived that. Yeah. Or, well, it didn't go so bad. Yeah. Right. So the one that's, well, I, I'm glad I survived that, is okay, but probably not ba- not the best because what happens with that one is you're relieved it's over yeah, and you're probably not going to do it again for a long time to mm. come, you know, because, man, that was terrifying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think what what is the better response is, okay, I'm glad I survived. I may need a couple days to recover from this, but then always come back to reflecting through the head center again. How did that go? What happened? Did I die? No. How do I feel internally? Well, some people will say, well, some mates will say, well, I I don't know. I just made it through. I'm glad we're I'm not entirely sure how I feel. Honestly, I felt exposed. Which is like, it feels worse because I feel exposed, right? Yeah. And then, okay, that's one uh, part of you. What's another part of you that may be feels different about it. Oh, so maybe the part of you does feel that way. Acknowledging that. Yeah. That's good. Is there another part of you that feels a different way? Yeah. It's a really good question for an yeah. eight. 
Because otherwise, whichever is the strongest one is the only one I'm seeing for the time. Yeah. And it's good to be like, okay, yeah, that one's there too. Yeah. It's there. It's an also. For sure. Yeah. It's not only. Like, what? but what else? Is there any sense of relief in that? Yeah. We'll do the fives later, but it's, it's similar to the fives in that, you know, there's this like, yeah. oh, I'm glad it's over, right? I'm glad I did this. Yeah. And then, so I'll say to the, I'll say to the five, are you tired? Oh, I'm exhausted. Okay. But what kind of tired? Is it different than other tireds? Mm. So let's talk about the other parts of you. How are, how's your heart feeling? Right? Do you feel more connected? Yeah, I do. I feel really much more connected. Okay. Mm. So it's not an ugly tired. No, not really. Okay. Could you tolerate that kind of tired? Yeah. Because otherwise you're lumping it all into one kind and you're just like, wow, I'm just tired. Right. So and I think it's true of, mm-hmm. of all nine types is that, you know, when we're touching onto that core, yeah. it's going to have a reaction of, I feel exposed as an eight. I feel totally exposed. Right. Yeah. Okay. But is it an exposed that's really, really bad or what kind of exposure does that, you know? So what other parts of you, you know, would feel maybe different? What, what would that be? What would those parts feel? And yeah. maybe do I feel maybe a little bit more connected to that person? Mm. Okay. And how does your body feel around them now? Check your body out. How does it feeling? It's like, wow. You know, so you start to understand that there are other parts of you that didn't get much airtime yeah. that now get to say, hey, I kind of like this. Yeah. <laughs> this feels good to me, you know. Yeah, and sometimes you can get back into it as well, like the, the, the experience with someone connected in some kind of like physical way creates a better sense of emotional safety. And it's okay if it moves in that direction too. Because for some, like, you know, if it's someone they feel really safe and good hugging, it, there might be more likely of sharing other stuff that's going on at a depth. But also it's just like, I don't, I've had to learn that I don't necessarily trust my discomfort as my truth teller, like my discomfort with vulnerability as a truth teller. Because I think that's one spot that this can get stuck is even in checking in, it might not feel great but is there a higher value that you can appeal to and notice? Is there something in there that says this is good, even if my systems have warning bells on them? I still feel like I have a lot to learn about it. And I feel like I need to have a lot of conversations with people to really understand their experience of this. But like, what is that like? And how do you, how do you get there? Mm-hmm. When something feels like yeah. my warning bells are going off, but I'm going to stick with it because I know it's good. I know that there is a treasure in this, even though everything in me is being like, nope, 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 nope. Yeah. And I believe that that's actually the, the proper death that we have, to, we have to die. It's the right kind of ego death, as they say. You know? yeah. But again, it's not the, the death to the entire ecosystem. It's more of a, oh yeah, that part, that part right there I've been holding on to for a long time. That part has protected me. And now it's no longer going to serve me as I grow. Yeah. So I have to confront it and I have to actually starve that beast inside me. And I think that that for every type, there is no shortcut to starving that part of your ego. You Mm -hmm. have to. Because otherwise, it's just going to constantly be wanting more. Like, you're never going to be strong enough as an eight. So you're always going to be pursuing more. Yeah. And more life, things that produce more stimulation and more, you know, energy. And this is never going to be enough. And, and so starving it, not feeding it, 
but because you're choosing a different path uh, that is that you believe is aligns with your values, it's going to feel like death. What is actually dying when you, when you talk about the good death? Because sometimes it's easy at the beginning of the experience, if you're first starting to grow, it's very difficult to distinguish between the ego you're trying to protect and the ecosystem you're trying to support. And something I wrote a few years ago uh, about l- the way to look at our lives is that we are gardeners, not guards. And I think because I, I wrote that because I, I've definitely spent time as a guard. I'm trying to guard certain parts of my life and to transition to being a gardener to actually support the ecosystems in there. I I can't help but think of the old phrase, it's better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. When I start to garden, the warrior does not go away. There's no threat of that. The warrior is present, but it is the good death to let the ego go so the gardener can support the ecosystem Hmm. that is trying to produce something that will bring life to others because that's when I'm really in the best spot. That's Hmm. really when I'm feeling like this is a beautiful thing. Yeah, wonderful. Thank you so much for listening. You can find out more about us at www.theartofgrowth.org. That's the place to learn more about our comprehensive training and coaching programs for organizations around team health. And you can also reach out to us there about individual coaching as well. And there are many tools on the Art of Growth website to help you on your journey. We'd also encourage you to check out the main Art of Growth podcast. Grace and growth, my friends.